This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot's service for tailored book recommendations, now available as a gift. Is your favorite book lover hard to shop for? Give the gift of TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Choose from plans that allow your loved one to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email as a one-time gift or a year-long subscription, and sit back while our bibliologists do the rest. When your recipient redeems their gift, they'll complete a profile to tell TBR about their reading preferences and what they're looking for, and they can even connect their Goodreads account. Then we'll match them up with a bibliologist who will handpick recommendations just for them. Gifts start at just $15, so there's an option for every budget. So you can head over to mytbr.co slash gift for more information. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 79, and we are recording on Tuesday, June 2nd. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. Um, Well, I'd ask how you're doing, but everything is just such a mess. <laughs> yeah. Like Katie said, we're recording this on Tuesday, June 2nd, so like, there's just so much happening in the world, and like... <laughs> We were talking about this beforehand and Katie was like, yeah, we can't really do our like normal banter that we do at the beginning of the show because we can't really banter when things are like this. So yeah, I if any, I don't know if I'm sure there are some listeners who are have been involved in the protests that have been going on around the world. It's I mean, there's only there's only so much that I can say as a white person, but I am so sorry. <laughs> All of the protests are much needed, and it's horrible that they that it has to happen on this scale for people to start paying attention. So if you've been involved with any of the protests, or if you plan to in the future, um, well, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be Friday, and who knows what the world's going to look like on Friday. But um, if you are involved with any protests, um, be as safe as you can. I mean... That's much easier said than done, but we hope that however you are getting involved that you're that you're able to keep yourself safe. Yeah. And for like any of black listeners that are out there or anything like that, I hope you know that we obviously stand in solidarity with you and uh hopefully, you know, we can just continue to advocate for hearing stories by black people about black people so that way people can start to learn and understand and empathize with what you have to deal with on a regular basis. Yeah, and supporting Black authors as well. So um, if you were looking to, thinking that you should read some more mysteries by Black authors, well, <laughs> now now would be the time. Start dusting off those bookshelves, get your TBRs ready, um, purchase books from indie bookstores, bonus points if it's a Black-owned indie bookstore. And yeah, I mean, that's about all we, we can say right now, but... Um, yeah, I, I, my words are failing me now. Just, it's it is such a it is such a horrible mess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Katie said, there's only so much we can say. So also, like, like we've mentioned before in other episodes where we've talked about like COVID stuff happening in the world. Hopefully, this podcast is some sort of like maybe respite for you. Um, maybe an opportunity to hear about some things that aren't world news events and things like that, and maybe get some book recommendations along the way for some books that might offer you a distraction or entertainment or something like that if you're looking for 
uh, some temporary relief. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to jump into our first sponsor of the episode before we like jump into everything. And so our first sponsor is Source Books, who are the publishers of The Last Flight by Julie Clark. Claire Cook has the perfect life. Married to the scion of a political dynasty, her surroundings are elegant and her future auspicious. But behind closed doors, that perfect husband has a temper, and what he doesn't know is that Claire has worked for months on a plan to vanish. A chance meeting in an airport bar brings her together with Eva, a woman whose circumstances seem equally dire. Together, they make a last-minute decision to switch tickets. But when the plane Eva is on crashes, Claire has no choice to assume Eva's identity and, along with it, the secrets Eva fought so hard to keep hidden. So this is a fast-paced thriller that explores the idea of switching lives with a complete stranger and then having to deal with the consequences of a life someone else has made. Um, The book has been described as the perfect woman-centric thriller and is perfect for the hashtag MeToo era. It combines two strong female protagonists who take control of their lives in a surprising and unputdownable way. It's been described that The Last Flight is perfect for fans of Lisa Jewell and Chris Bojalian. But this book sounds super interesting to me, especially the whole uh, Claire has to take on Eva's identity. I wasn't expecting that part of the plot uh, synopsis. So if that sounds interesting to you as well, you can go ahead and pick up The Last Flight by Julie Clark. And we thank Sourcebooks so much for sponsoring this episode. All right. So if you're a longtime listener, welcome back. If you're new, welcome to the fold. We're delighted to have you here. So obviously, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we talk about mysteries and thrillers and movie adaptations and subgenres and true crime and just about anything that falls under that mystery and thriller umbrella. This is also the part of the show that our longtime listeners know um, is when we put out a call for um, suggestions for future show ideas. Um, As we've mentioned before, we use a lot of these ideas to help us plan future episodes. It helps us when our our idea well is running a little bit dry, um, and it tells us what you guys are interested in and what you would like to hear in the episode. So if you have any ideas, just let us know. We'll have our contact information at the end of the show. Um, So make a note of that. And even if you don't have an idea, if you just want to pop in and say hi, we, we love hearing from everyone. And we love knowing that people are listening to us. Um, and which, again, I've, I've said this so many times, but after just about three years of doing this show, it's still somewhat incredible that that people continue to tune in every every two weeks to hear us talk. So we're, we're very, very grateful for that. So like Katie said, we often talk about a bunch of book news. And so we have a lot of things, including a lot of adaptation news, which it's a lot of it is pretty exciting as well. So going to jump right into it. Um, First up, some non-adaptation news. You may have seen me tweet about this because I thought it was really funny and I was like half excited for it. But uh, Bill Clinton and James Patterson are working on another book together. And if you haven't been listening to us for a long time, you're probably like, Rincey, what is going on right now? Um, But the basic idea is that Bill Clinton and as in like former President Bill Clinton and James Patterson wrote a book together called The President is Missing. This was released back in 2018 and Katie and I read it for an episode here and the book was like so over the top and ridiculous but like 
a page turner and like I get why people love it so much. And so I guess they are teaming up again to put out a second novel together. And this one is called The President's Daughter. So this one will be coming out in June 2021. So we have a year before it comes out. But you know, it's perfectly time for the summertime. And I already pitched to Katie that we should do another episode of it, but she shot me down. So... (laughs) I said, I don't know how much new ground we'd have to cover. Look, it's about the president's daughter, though. (laughs) And also, this is not, this sounds like a sequel. It's being pitched as a standalone novel in that it is not connected to the first one, except for the titles that sound really familiar. And the main character is the president of the United States, but it's not the same president. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, it's apparently a completely different president. It's the little synopsis that's included in this piece says that um, it follows a former president of the United States who's now relocated to rural New Hampshire, whose daughter is kidnapped. So again, this book sounds ridiculous as much as like the president is missing. So actually, this sounds a little bit less ridiculous because like the president going missing is kind of a lot. So the president's daughter going missing, that was just an episode of The West Wing. <laughs> so just in case you um, are a James Patterson fan or like had fun reading The President is Missing, there's another one or another book by the two of them coming out next year. In other related, or not related, but other like bookish news, um, the finalists have been chosen for the 2020 Harper Lee Prize for Legal Fiction. And so, you know, all of the sort of Muppet arms because the Satipur Moonstone by Sujata Basi has been nominated along with The Hollows by Victor Methos and An Equal Justice by Chad Zunker. Um, so I'm not exactly sure when the prize is going to be officially announced, but I'm assuming there's not going to be a ceremony because, you know, no one can gather together, really. But it does say that 21 books were submitted for consideration and a team of reviewers selected the three finalists. And um, the winner will receive a copy of To Kill a Mockingbird signed by Harper Lee, which I think is just a really kind of funny prize. (laughs) Just because I'm like expecting them to be like, oh, they win like $5,000 or something along those lines. But I mean, I guess a signed copy of To Kill a Mockingbird by that's like autographed by Harper Lee will net you a decent amount of money on like eBay or whatever. So (laughs) I guess there's also that. So yeah, if you're like interested in checking that out, um, again, we'll have a link in the show notes to an article talking about that prize. Yeah, and it's funny because when, you know, when we talk about the Setapore Moonstone, I mean, yes, it is legal fiction because the main character is a lawyer, but it's not what you, like, when you think legal fiction, I do not think the Perveen Mystery series. That's like historical mystery series. Um, and obviously the two can, you know, coincide. But when I think legal fiction, I'm like John Grisham, Scott Turow, and, you know, all of these like legal thriller authors or someone who's doing like true crime into like different court cases or something like that. Um, so I was kind of like, huh, that's an interesting pick. And then my second my second thought was, yay, Sujata Masi. So. All right. And now to jump into all of the adaptation news. So I have two pieces that I'm going to talk about before handing it over to Katie. The first is that there is going to be an adaptation of the Inspector Gamache series by that's written by Louise Penny that will be heading over to Amazon. So if you are a fan of this series, honestly, I'm like super surprised that this hasn't been adapted yet. 
Me too. <laughs> yeah, like it seems like perfect for it. Um, but anyways, this is being adapted for Amazon, like I said, and it's being adapted by Left Bank Pictures, which uh, is best well known for working on the Netflix series The Crown. And so, yeah, I mean, there's no real information because I believe that like it just got picked up by Amazon, so to speak. But yeah, like the the Inspector Gamash series is like super, super popular. And I feel like someone was just like, oh, my God, like realized that this hasn't been adapted yet and like grabbed it really quick. So um, if you are a fan of Louise Penny's series, then you have that to look forward to. And then a quick casting announcement. Manny Jacinto has been announced as joining Nicole Kidman and Melissa McCarthy in the Hulu adaptation of Nine Perfect Strangers. So this is supposed to be like a limited series that is coming to Hulu. And uh, I was like super excited when I saw that Manny Jacinto was cast in this just because I loved Manny Jacinto in The Good Place. If that name (laughs) is like, yeah, if the name is like ringing your bell and you're like, I can't exactly know, I don't remember exactly who that is. He played Jason on The Good Place um, and he is so funny. And so it'll be kind of interesting to see sort of like what his role is. I don't. I haven't read um, Nine Perfect Strangers, so I don't really know, like, what his character is supposed to be like or anything along those lines. Um, But if you have read the book, uh, Jacinto is supposed to be playing a character named Yao, who they describe as a bright-eyed young man – or sorry, a bright-eyed man-kid with a hipster vibe, (laughs) which sounds like a terrible person. Um, (laughs) But it sounds like he could play that. It does sound like he could play that. So it'll be interesting to see, like – if he's supposed to be doing like the more comedy thing but yeah that when i saw that i was like well i guess i have to watch nine perfect strangers now (laughs) all right so the rest of the adaptation news um speaking of series coming to amazon and speaking of left bank pictures um left bank pictures and amazon are developing a series around the elizabeth salander character from the girl with the dragon tattoo series And this isn't based on any of the books that have already been written. It's just taking the character of Elizabeth Salander and putting her in today's world with new setting, new characters, new stories um, that's supposed to just kind of like create a new life for this character who's become so iconic over like the last decade. So they don't have anyone cast for the series yet. It's just an announcement that the show was going to was in the beginning stages of production. Um, But if you've been a fan of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movies or the books or the spinoffs or whatever the case may be, you can add this to your list of things to keep an eye on. Um, So we'll obviously have more news about that, especially when they decide who they're going to cast as Lisbeth Salander, because that is such an iconic character that I'm like, you've got to do it right. So we'll we'll have a link to that in the show notes. And then for other adaptations, the adaptation of Anatomy of a Scandal is coming to Netflix. Um, So this was a psychological thriller that came out in 2017 by Sarah Vaughn and um, tells the story of a British woman whose life is turned upside down after her husband admits an indiscretion to her and then is accused of a terrible crime involving sexual consent. So this is going to be a dark, intense kind of show. So again, this doesn't have any uh, casting news associated with it, just that the production is happening. Um, So again, we will update it once we have more information, but make sure to keep an eye out for that. 
And then finally, we've got a couple of trailers. If you um, happen to be the kind of person who watches trailers, um, neither Rincey nor I watch trailers very often unless we're forced to. Um, I don't know why, but that's just a just a thing. I just like, oh, there's a trailer for something. Not going to watch it. I'll watch the show, but not the trailer. Um, but anyway, so we've got a trailer for season two of The Alienist, which the first season was based on Caleb Carr's novel, uh, by the same name. Novel is excellent. The TV series was pretty good. And season two is going to bring back the same characters, but it's going to focus on the plot of the second book in the series, which is The Angel of Darkness, um, which I have not read. Although a friend of mine who has read both said that she actually liked The Angel of Darkness better than The Alienist. I don't know that that's necessarily the consensus, but it is supposed to, um, it's still supposed to be very interesting and should make for an interesting season too. So um, I'm pretty sure I have the book sitting on my shelf. I should probably get around to reading that at some point. So we'll have a link to that trailer. And then there's also a trailer for the documentary that's coming out that's based on I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara, which was um, just a recap. If you are unfamiliar with the book, it came out in 2018 after Michelle McNamara passed away very suddenly. Um, and this was about her search for the, um, at the time, the Golden State Killer who was a serial killer that was operating in California and I think in Oregon in the 70s and was never caught. And so she became intrigued with the case and started kind of investigating it herself and putting together all of these clues. But the mystery was unsolved uh, when she passed away and the book was unfinished when she passed away. So they put the finishing touches on it, put the book out. And then a few months later, thanks to some new DNA evidence, they were able to take someone into custody for those killings. Um, so the whole context around the book and how it came to be and it, the aftermath and all that stuff is like almost as bonkers as the story itself. But they're making a documentary about the Golden State Killer. If you've read the book, you know that it is super creepy. Like, check all of your windows, double check the door lock kind of creepy. So the documentary, I imagine, is going to be more of the same. It's probably going to be super intense. So there's a trailer for that. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah, I don't know if I can handle watching that documentary because I was like so creeped out by the book and like I can't imagine like watching it is going to be any better. If anything, I feel like it's going to be worse. <laughs> yeah. And for me, I mean, I I mean, if you're a longtime listener, you know that I love dark, demented and disturbing stuff. Um, true crime gets to me more than almost anything else. Like, just as a as a genre, it really gets under my skin. I I love reading true crime. And it doesn't stop me like, you know, I've I've, I've watched the the Ted Bundy documentary series on Netflix. That who boy. That one that one got under my skin. I was practically climbing the walls by the time that one finished. Um so I imagine this is also going to be that you know, this this is also going to be very creepy. And especially because it didn't come out like right after the book came out. So they've had time to kind of like figure out how they're going to tell the story. So I think I think that for me makes it feel like this, this is going to be really interesting. So I will probably end up watching it. Um, but with the lights on. <laughs> 
All right. So um, our episode topic today actually came from a listener who recommended or suggested that uh, we talk about some short story collections, specifically, obviously, like mystery short story collections. And I thought this was like a really interesting topic for us to take on because... I mean, I don't know about you, Katie, but personally, I'm someone who like very rarely reads short stories. And in my head, when I think of like mysteries, I often like what I want out of a mystery. Usually I want something that would be like novel length because like fleshing out a full mystery or something along those lines uh, in a short story is not going to be an easy task, to say the least. I, you, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. I don't read short stories very often in any genre. I think maybe being in college killed any interest I might have had in short stories. Because, yeah, I feel like it's either not enough time to flesh out the characters um, or the story, depending, you know, depending on what genre. Or it's... I, I find this more in literary fiction or the stuff that I had to read in college, but... In a lot of cases, you know, because they're so short, they have to come they have to make each word do each sentence do so much. And so I always felt like when I was reading short stories that there was something that I was missing and not understanding and that everyone else was understanding. <laughs> so that kind of turned me off of them a little bit. I do there are some short story collections uh that I've read that I really do enjoy. I think Horror tends to be good for short stories because horror is about that creepy feeling and you can establish that creepy feeling pretty quickly. And there's a lot of times in horror what you don't know and what you can't quite understand, that's what makes it scary. But there there are a couple other ones that, uh, collections that I particularly enjoy. But yeah, I have never really thought to pick up a, you know, a collection of short stories for, you know, in the mystery and suspense genre. I have a couple on my shelf that I've picked up and there are a couple on on my Goodreads list, but I hadn't wasn't they weren't anything I was planning on getting around to anytime soon. Yeah, I'm someone who don't read a lot of short story collections, but if I do, they're usually either like historical fiction or literary fiction books, so it kind of makes sense in my head to have those in like short story form because you can like explore like these sort of slice of life things. For a mystery, I was like sitting here thinking and I'm like, I think the last time I read what would technically be considered a short story mystery collection was when I read the Clue books when I was a kid because <laughs> at least in that there are like multiple Clue stories in a single book. <laughs> so it's been a while. Yeah, a little bit. Um, And I don't even like gravitate towards them or anything like that because so like when we were picking this topic originally, I had to like do some Googling and stuff like that in order to figure out what I wanted to read because I had nothing in my head in terms of what I could read. Um, I will say that like last December when we were doing our holiday based episode, I did see that like Soho Press put out a holiday based mystery collection. Um, and so it's like one of those anthology type of things where they have like a bunch of their authors that they've published write a short story collection related to the holidays. Was it the usual Santas? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that that was like one thing where I was like, well, at least I've seen one recently. And then I feel like all the other short story collections that are mysteries that I've seen, like as an adult have been like Agatha Christie ones, or like Dorothy Sayer ones, or like, you know, those sort of like golden age mystery type of books. And like, obviously, there are the other anthologies like the noir series and things like that. But for me, I was kind of looking to see if I could find something that felt more like a modern mysteries book but was just happened to be like a short story collection. 
All right. Yeah. Well, before we jump into our picks, let me get into our second sponsor. And then I'm really excited to hear the book that you picked because I do have that one on my to read list, actually. So before we get into that, um, I do have our second sponsor, which is the book Sister Dear, written by Hannah Mary McKinnon. And in this book, we have Eleanor, and everything is slipping through Eleanor's fingers. In a gut-wrenching discovery, she learns that she is not her dying father's daughter, and that she was the product of an affair. So with her personal life spiraling, she seeks out her biological father and discovers something else, that she also has an infuriatingly enviable half-sister. So perfectly perfect, Victoria has everything Eleanor could ever dream of, loving childhood, luxury home, devoted husband, and all of it stolen from Eleanor, who deserves it just as much. Consumed by an overwhelming obsession, Eleanor slowly begins to infiltrate her sister's seemingly perfect life. So if you're a fan of domestic thrillers and psychological suspense, this sounds like a really interesting book to pick up. So again, that book is Sister Dear, written by Hannah Mary McKinnon, and we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. All right. So I guess I will get us started. And so the short story collection that I picked up is one that was published here in the United States relatively recently. And that is An Elderly Lady is Up to No Good by Helen Turston. And this was translated into English. It was originally published in Swedish. um, And it was translated by Marlene Del Largi. And so this is a book that I remember people at Book Riot talking about when it originally came out. And this isn't like a typical mystery book. So I should say that off the back. And this is also kind of like a humorous essay collection, kind of. Um, So the basic idea is that in these stories, you are following this character named Maude, who is in her 80s. And basically, you're following a serial killer. So um, one of the things that I saw when I was looking up information about this book is like Helen Turston was basically thinking about how it would be interesting to have a serial killer who was like a woman in her 80s. And so she decided to write sort of these short stories about her. And these stories are basically like four or five different adventures that she goes on. Adventures are in air quotes there. <laughs> and and- I was going to say that's a that's a word choice. <laughs> Well, I say adventures also just because like she travels a lot. And so like a lot of them take place like while she's abroad and things like that. So, you know, um, so yeah, like I said, these are considered kind of like humorous stories as well. And they are like clever and funny and things like that. And I did enjoy my experience reading this book. One thing for me is like, because you're following the same character over all of these stories, I feel like you do get a pretty good sense of like who this character is. I think Helen Turston does a really good job of like kind of establishing who this lady is. And you can kind of understand her like motivations behind everything. But it basically just comes down to like she's a curmudgeon (laughs) and she doesn't like dealing with people. And so sometimes she kills them. Um, (laughs) At least that's in a couple of the stories. Some of the stories are ones where it's like she's about to get like robbed or ripped off or something like that and she like exacts revenge and she like very much uses to her advantage the fact that she's an elderly woman and so like she plays up uh sometimes like the fact that she might not quote unquote know everything even though she actually does and she plays up the fact that maybe she needs help with a walker maybe she can't hear very well or maybe she can't see very well things like that So I feel like these are just like really clever stories. Again, there's no like real mystery in the sense of like, there's no questioning like 
the who done it or anything like that. Like you're following Maud and Maud is always the person who's done it. Um, but it's just kind of like interesting to see like how she gets away with things. And I just found she's just like a really fun curmudgeonly old lady and it's kind of fun to just read these stories. I mean, the first one I was reading and I was very much like, oh, that's like kind of cruel. But then like the later ones, I feel like they give enough of a reason, even though there's no real reason uh, to murder someone. Um, but they at least explain her background or her reasoning and her thinking a little bit more that you're just like, oh, okay. So, I mean, they're just like silly little stories that I honestly really enjoyed. Again, this was originally published in Swedish. So it was like these these stories do take place in Sweden for the most part. Although, like I said, she does like travel a lot. And it's really interesting because, like I said, they provide a pretty decent amount of backstory over the course of these like five stories. Um, You find out about her family, like she's living in an apartment right now, rent free, thanks to like some contracts that were done by her parents, I believe, or her father. Um, And like she worked as a teacher. And after she retired, she's like traveled around the world and all this stuff. So she's like this worldly woman who has like done a lot with her life and now is just in her 80s so no one very much expects much from her and the one thing i will say is like the last two stories in the book are actually related to each other so one of them is about um antique dealer who dies and then the last story is kind of more of the background into the death and so it's really interesting because like the one story is told from an outsider's point of view which is completely different from all the other stories and so this outsider is basically like i think this old woman killed this guy (laughs) but he has like no way of proving it um and then in the next story you see how Maud actually did everything and how she like covered her steps so that those two stories hand in hand kind of felt like the most like real mystery in my opinion and were probably the most fun um so yeah if you're looking for something a little bit lighter I definitely recommend picking up An Elderly Lady is Up to No Good by Helen Turston. Wow we really picked similar (laughs) sounding mystery short story collections because mine too is also a kind of witty darkly humorous collection of translated short stories wow what are the chances (laughs) yeah so anyway the one i picked is called the first prehistoric serial killer by Teresa solana Uh, it was translated by peter bush Uh, Teresa solana is on the cover says that she is one of barcelona's best-selling crime writers I had not been familiar with her until I picked up this book, and going by the back of the book, I'm, I think I picked this up on my honeymoon in London, because the price is, is first listed in pounds. And I'm like, I vaguely remember picking that up at a bookstore while, while we were on our honeymoon. And I remember seeing the book and thinking, oh, at one point, I don't remember if it was on an episode or after we stopped recording, but we said, oh, we ne- we really want to read a mystery series about a prehistoric serial killer or a prehistoric detective or something like that. So when I saw this title, The First Prehistoric Serial Killer, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to pick this up. So I, um, unfortunately, have not gotten all the way through the book, which is a shame. It's really, it's not that long, but, you know, life has intervened and my brain is like, it's either work or it's completely zoning out with video games right now. Um, but I did um, I did read a good portion of it. And yeah, the stories are, they there is a some element of death or a crime that is that is committed in each story. Sometimes it's 
incidental. Sometimes it's the crux of the story. Um, this one also has a story about two elderly women who murder one of their sons-in-law, son-in-laws, um, because he is abusive towards his wife. And they're, um, and they're like, yeah, this isn't gonna keep happening. Um, and so when you're talking about your book, I'm like, oh my god, there's a story in mine that sounds just like that. <laughs> Except they don't continue to go on killing people. They just killed this one person. But yeah, I, considering I'm, I'm not a huge short story fan to begin with, I, I really enjoyed each story as I came across it. Like, the first one is the, is the first prehistoric serial killer where there is a, I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know what point in prehistory this takes place, but, you know, there is basically a caveman and he's like, hey, three of our fellow cavemen have died mysteriously. What's going on? And like the leader of the group is like, eh, it's nothing. And they're like, but there's a bloody rock next to their head. And it's happened with all three of them. I think there's a connection. And the other guy's like, nah, I don't think so. Um, but it also like, it's very tongue in cheek and self aware. Like it references like Sherlock Holmes and, you know, like investigative methods and stuff. It's very, it's, it's very witty and very well done. But yeah, I think out of the stories, I'm flipping to the table of contents to remind myself. Yeah, there's one where it's like a group of ghosts that are all haunting the same the same home and like they have to interact with each other and they they name they have to refer to like there's two ghosts there named Anthony and like one of them they're like Anthony the head because his head was disfigured when he was killed and then there's Anthony the intestines because <laughs> he was disemboweled when he when he died and there's one ghost where they're like yeah he looks really scary so we we make him wear a cowbell when he wanders around the house so we don't get scared if we run into him in the like in, in the dark bathroom or something i think my favorite one is about a there's a there's an art collection um being displayed at a museum and the the artist is known for his sculptures of like really really like gruesome realistic subject matter and the main character is the person who's curating the display the at the museum um or at the gallery and so she's helping to set everything up and she's like hmm there's 40 you know there's 40 sculptures here what's this 41st one doing here i don't know let's just put it out um and it's not one of the sculptures <laughs> it's i'm just like oh this is and i was reading that i'm like this sounds like something that might have happened in hannibal <laughs> but it's yeah if you like dark humor like I, f I feel like with this book, like, if you enjoyed, like, it doesn't quite feel the same, but if you like Fargo, this would probably, you would probably enjoy this book. It's not the exact same sensibility, like, it doesn't have that folksy kind of charm of Fargo, but that same kind of dark humor. You will probably like this one. Um, so, again, that is uh, The First Prehistoric Serial Killer by Teresa Solana. Imagine if your nickname had to be Anthony the Intestines. <laughs> like... <laughs> I can't, I can't remember. It's it's maybe not exactly Anthony the Intestines, but it is definitely something related to the fact that he's disemboweled. I mean, I, I'm just going to call him Anthony the Intestines. I don't care at this point, but... <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, and I like that they have to make the one wear a cowbell because yeah, exactly. they're like, oh god, you're too scary. I can't, I can't. It's like I'm dead, but I can't want. I can't turn a corner and like run into you. Oh man, that's amazing. I'm gonna have to add that one to my list because that sounds really good. <laughs> All right. So as always, uh, feel free to let us know if you have any mystery short story collections that you really enjoy, especially if they are like a little bit different than like the Agatha Christie's and like Dorothy Sayers and like Golden Age mysteries sort of things. We'd love to hear about it, especially since Katie and I are, as we said, you know, not very well versed in this area. So definitely send us recommendations if you have any. All right. So I am going to zoom through the new releases but I've got some really interesting ones coming out this week that I'm really excited to talk about. Um, so the two books I want to talk about coming out this week are both very unusual true crime books. The first one is called Magnetized Conversations with a Serial Killer by Carlos Bosqued. And this, um, what's, what's interesting about this is that the author is from Argentina. And this covers a, um, a series of murders where four taxi drivers were found in Buenos Aires in 1982. And they, um, they were all found murdered in very, a very brutal way. And the assailant was a 19 year old boy, um, who gave the impression of being you know, of completely sound mind, basically, but the crimes were very, were very horrifying. So more than 30 years later, the author began visiting the killer, whose name was Ricardo Melonio, um, in prison. And so their conversations turn to his crimes, and he starts to put together the missing pieces of, you know, what happened. And so this is this is a book from the author's conversations with this serial killer and kind of he allows Melonio to kind of describe himself and his life and his mindset. And it goes from the crimes to his mistreatment, his mis misdiagnosis while in prison to his current sentencing. Um, so it's a really, it's supposed to be a really interesting book. Like it's about the crimes, but it's like diving into the mind of a serial killer. And it's from Argentina. So this is, you know, a completely different country than, you know, we're used to reading true crime books about stuff that takes place in the United States or England or wherever, um, but somewhere in the Western world, basically. Um, so this sounds super, super interesting. Um, so again, that is Magnetized Conversations with a Serial Killer by, by Carlos Busquen. And that is out on June 2nd. So by the time you're listening to this, you can pick up a copy. And then the second book is that comes out this week is also a true crime book called Who Killed Berta Caceres? The Murder of an Indigenous Defender and the Race to Save the Planet by Nina Lacani. So Nina Lacani is a journalist and she met this woman, Berta Caceres, who is an indigenous leader from Honduras. And Caceres said the first time that she met the author, the army has an assassination list with my name at the top. I want to live, but in this country, there is total impunity. When they want to kill me, they will do it. And in 2015, um, Caceres won the Goldman Prize, um, which is a very prestigious environmental award for leading a campaign to stop construction of an internationally funded hydroelectric electric dam that was going to be built on a river that was sacred to her her people. And less than a year later, she was she was dead. So the author is investigating this woman's life, who she was, how she, she pursued her work while facing like years of threats, um, while her friends and colleagues in Honduras were 
exiled and killed. Lakani, the author, also endured intimidation and harassment as she investigated the murder. In 2018, Caceres' killers were brought to trial, and uh, Lakani was able to be there for the, for the trial. And so she's, with this book, she paints this portrait of this woman who was, you know, such a, such a revolutionary leader for environmental rights and human rights, and was murdered for her efforts, basically. Um, so this is just such, there are so many layers to this story that this is the type of story that does not get told in modern media or in publishing. Like, this is, this sounds so interesting. And this is the kind of story that I feel like we need more of. So again, that is called Who Killed Berta Caceres? The Murder of an Indigenous Defender and the Race to Save the Planet by Nina Lacani. And that is also out now. So you can pick up a copy of that if you're interested. And then real quickly, um, a couple of books that are coming out next week on June 9th. Um, we have The Monsters We Make by Callie White, um, which is described as for fans of Renee Denfeld and Sherry LaPena. Um, and it follows the two paper boys who go missing in August of 1984. And so it tells the story from different points of view, including the 17-year-old sister of one of the boys who have disappeared. And... The sisters sees that hey, there's some there's some similarities here to another disappearance uh, that happened earlier, one town over, and so she's like, oh, I can like she sees an opportunity for herself, um, possible scholarship essay, a ticket out of their small town. So she has kind of that element going on, and then there's the perspective of the police who's I, who worked the previous disappearance, and now this has also happened. But he vows that this time it's not going to go unsolved, and so he has to solve the case, faces inner demons. And what's interesting is that this story is actually based on a couple of or on kidnappings in Des Moines that took place in the early '80s. The they called the real life Des Moines Register paperboy kidnappings. Um, so it, this is a book where it looks at how the effects of one crime can expose another, the secrets people keep hidden from their friends, their families, themselves. Um, so if you like those kind of small town interwoven mysteries with like lots of secrets, this book sounds super interesting. Um, so again, that's The Monsters We Make by Callie White. And then finally, we have The House of Whispers by Laura Purcell, um, who she's written kind of like suspense horror, like Victorian horror type of novels. Um, so if you're looking for something with kind of horror crossover, um, she has a new kind of gothic story coming out. So it's set on the coast, the Cornish coast in an old house by the sea where a maid cares for an old woman who does not talk um, and has a mysterious past. And the woman has superstitious staff that, that work at the house. And so there's the help that, that work at the house have all kinds of stories about fairies that hunt the land, searching for those they can steal away to their realm. And so this is this just sounds like a really, really interesting blend of, yeah, suspense and old-fashioned horror and just kind of general delightful creepiness. So again, that is The House of Whispers by Laura Purcell, and that is out on June 9th as well. Oh man, those first two books sound so good. <laughs> I know, don't they? 
I was when I was looking at new releases like today this evening for I was like oh man these are gonna be this is gonna be so cool yeah um I uh, may or may not have just suggested to my library to uh buy the uh who killed Britta Ciceras book (laughs) so we'll see if that happens (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, um, so on to the books that I have been reading recently. So I haven't read too many mysteries recently. Um, anyone who follows me on like other areas of social media may know that I like basically have spent uh, the stay at home order period of time like working through my own physical TBR. And I will admit that my physical TBR is was not like as bad as it has been in the past. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is like now I'm down to like almost 30 books. And that's amazing for me. But that also means that I'm like running low on actual mystery books. So uh, yeah. But anyways, uh, the book that I read was Evil Under the Sun by Agatha Christie. This is um, a Perot mystery book. And uh, this one is actually set, it says at the Jolly Roger, which is basically like a vacation resort. And so this is kind of like a fun summer read because it takes place while like all of these people are on vacation. And there are like a bunch of these different guests who are on vacation and Perot is there also on vacation. And so the story just follows um this woman who is i believe an actress and she has like a very alluring sort of uh personality i suppose you could say and like it's alleged that she's having an affair with one of the other people who's also a guest at this vacation place although they like act like they didn't plan on coming to this vacation resort at the same time and then the actress ends up dead um she's like strangled on and found like at like one of the coves on the beach and so this story basically follows like who strangled this woman and like who's behind all of this and whether or not this affair was actually there. And, you know, if it was, did the husband do it? The actress was also married, I should say. Um, So did her husband do it? Did the man having an affair do it? Did his wife do it? Um, And then there are also like a whole bunch of other people who are like, again, here on vacation who don't really like this actress very much and so they're all suspects as well of course um and so yeah it's just kind of like a standard perot mystery where uh you're kind of going through and trying to figure out who exactly is behind all of this um i will say that this is one where it it feels like it has a kind of a typical answer but it also has like a little bit of a twist to it which is like a weird thing to say i guess what you don't know what the answer of the mystery is but i found it delightful it's you know an agatha christie so it's not super long and so i feel like this is like one of those where if you're going on vacation or like sitting out in the sun over the summer or something like that this would be a fun one to read um so again that's evil under the sun by agatha christie and then in terms of what I like am currently reading or plan on reading, um, like I said, I'm running out of like mystery books <laughs> that I like physically own. Um, although like the way things are going right now, I might just end up like buying a bunch of books because I'm like, oh, wow, I don't have any left. It's okay for me to buy books. But anyways, uh, the, I did end up like checking one out from my library as an ebook because I was like, I want something to read, but I didn't, you know, have anything that uh, fit the bill. So I ended up checking out The Ancient Nine by Ian K. Smith. And this book came out in like, yeah, in 2018. And I had heard of it only because Jamie, who runs our usual suspects newsletter and, uh, you know, runs a bunch of other things on for Book Riot, uh, basically just like messaged me one day and was like, hey, I think you'll like this book. Um, and so it's kind of like a part campus novel, part secret society novel, thriller sort of thing. So it takes place at Harvard. 
And you're following these two different characters. One of them's called Spencer Collins, who is like a smart and athlete, but he doesn't come from a very well-off family. And then there's Dalton Winthrop, which I feel like I have to say that name with that sort of like pretentious voice. Dalton Winthrop. Yep. <laughs> who what they, who is what they call like a white shoe legacy. And so, you know, he's like a very privileged uh, man who is coming to that school. And so I believe that like the two of them try to join like one of the, you know, clubs, you know, so to speak at Harvard. And then, you know, things I think go wrong. So yeah, I think uh, this is supposed to be one of those where it's just like, you know, page turner, wild ride, that sort of thing. But I, again, haven't started it yet, but I do have it checked off from the library. So again, that's called The Ancient Nine by Ian K. Smith. Well, you can't see our show notes right now, but for me, in terms of what I finish and what I'm starting, it just says, <laughs> like, just a raspberry noise. Like, I, j- the last, yeah, I, you know, I, I got a decent way through the book that I was reading for this episode but then everything hit and with the news and my workload at work drastically increased very very quickly um so i basically now i'm either working or i'm zoning out for like the entire evening with my nintendo switch like there is no in between i'm either working my butt off or i've got my nintendo switch and like Arrested Development playing in the background or something like I just have not had the mental capacity to sit down and read, which is a shame because I, I'm still feeling excited about these new books that are coming out. And I'm like, oh, I should sit down and read. And then my stupid self like opens up Twitter and I go, I can't read right now. <laughs> so unfortunately, I don't have anything that I have finished or that I am planning on starting. I hope that I will be able to find something that gives me joy because I want reading to give me joy, but my brain just cannot handle it right now. So I'm just kind of letting my brain do what it wants. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. So hopefully I'll have something more interesting for uh, next episode. Yeah. I mean, it just sucks because like everyone obviously responds to the stress and stuff differently. And I just happen to be someone who responds by like diving headfirst into books, which works out well for, you know, this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I you have no idea how jealous I am. <laughs> but um like, you know, when I was in college and I'm like, you know, I had summers where I was like, oh, I couldn't get a job and all that stuff and I'm like, nothing was going on, so I had plenty of time to fin to like I I remember I read like 36 books over the course of like 3 months for summer. And but now it's like too much is going on and so my brain's like, please don't put any more information in me. I can't handle it. Yeah, which is completely understandable. And I'm sure people who are listening to this can relate. Yeah. So if you're the same way, I I feel you. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So that is our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. um, And you can find links to all of the books that we mentioned here in this episode, as well as links to all of the news articles that we talked about towards the top of the show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, which really helps us out and helps other people discover us. And if you want to send us an email with feedback or future show suggestions, you can find us at redordead at bookriot.com. Com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincy A. And I'm on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.